Hello, hello, my dear audience. I am Peter Resnick, and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. It seems that we are fully back on track. This is a live show, and everything works. I'm reminding those of you who joined me for the first time, you are welcome to call anytime with your questions and or comments regarding the health issues, healing, uh, consciousness and meaning during the last two years I shared with you, with my listeners, with many tools that I utilize in my practice of mind-body integrative therapy. I spoke about mental imagery, night dreams, the science and art of face reading. I also spoke about uh, living in times of uncertainty, about stress, about communication issues, and many other subjects, all of which you can access on the archives at PRN. So at this point, I am more interested taking your calls than giving talks on various subjects. So please feel free to call anytime. And the number is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. Eight, eight. And you can also email me uh, with your feedback, uh, with your questions to drpeterresnik at gmail.com, D-R-P-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. And first we'll start with show and tell, uh, although we have a lot of things to discuss today. So today is a special day, election day, though I'm not going to talk much about politics, just about subjects that may be interesting to you, I believe. Um, I was listening yesterday to a Dr. Peter Bregan hour, the um, show as of December 2nd. Um, his his hour usually is on Wednesdays uh, at uh, four o'clock, I believe. There is a wonderful development that's happening that that in the health field. Dr. Bregan was interviewing Richard Amerling, MD, who is a pioneer of developing uh, a website, a com company, a whole new generation of, of relationship uh, between patients and doctors. Uh, he and his colleagues um, founded a wellness company that delivers very different kind of medicine. I would very much recommend that you check it out. Um, medicine that is free from pressures of insurance companies. Um, it seems very, very interesting. It seems that um, I would suggest that you listen to the whole interview. Um, and they're attempting to build literally new medicine and in fact have uh, medical schools that train doctors to do what medicine is supposed uh, to do. In fact, you know the word medicine 
comes medic from Greek, uh, Latin word medicus, and which comes originally from the Greek word, uh, which means basically net nature. And doctor comes from Latin word docere, which means to teach. So medical doctor is supposed to be a teacher of nature, and it became everything else but a teacher of nature. We, the medical community, unfortunately, is not trained in in dealing with uh, nature of a human being, that is, approaching a human being as a whole person. And I love the interview with Dr. Amel, um, I hope I pronounced correctly, Amerling, uh, because it's exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about uh, doctors uh, even making home visits and, and doing medicine uh, according as a, as a art. It is indeed science and art, because the number one is, a, as he stated, is a relationship between the doctor and the patient, not uh, the patient uh, and insurance company that allows the doctor prescribe, to prescribe certain drugs, certain that doesn't allow that makes decision how much doctor charges and so on. And in fact, they have a whole new way of charging people. I would highly recommend that you explore this avenue. Uh, another thought that came to me that I wanted to share with you is it's simply because I came across a chart uh, that kind of touched me and made me think about my relationship with an African American community. Uh, from the time I arrived to the United States in 1981, 41 years ago, I identified with African Americans. Here is the reason. Uh, even though uh, my skin is the skin of, of a Caucasian person, so you could not see on my skin who I was, but I was treated in the Soviet Union, maybe not exactly, I, I didn't uh, live the life of an American, of, of an African American in America. But it seems seemed to me from the beginning of being here, I was treated in the Soviet Union being Jewish as uh, blacks were treated in America as a second or third class citizen. Uh, the only difference was that people would know who I was. Uh, African-Americans, of course, carry it on their skin, but I was carrying it on my passport. There was a passport. Everybody had to have a passport. And when you're applying for a job or when you're applying to go to university or any school, anyway, you present your passport and it's written who you are. That is, you're ethnic Ukrainian, you're ethnic uh, Russian or your ethnic, what's uh, called Jewish or Ivory. Uh, so, and immediately you were treated differently. So, uh, and when I just recently I found out that I'm actually 1.5% Nigerian. I did uh, uh, this genetic test. And a um, couple of years ago, for a number of years, actually, till a couple of years ago, I was sharing an office with a wonderful, wonderful psychiatrist. 
uh, I called her my black sister because uh, she's from Nigeria. And now I discovered that I am a Nigerian too. Okay, it's only one and a half percent. But still, you know, we are all connected. We all carry the same genes from our ancestors. But I tell you why this subject came to me, uh, to my mind, and I wanted to to share with you. Because I came across this chart, a murder of black and white people in the United States, 2018. And here it's the statistics per 1 million people. Uh, and uh, I see here whites killed by blacks, 11 people out of a million. Whites killed by whites, almost 11, it's 10.5, pretty much the same. So whites killed by blacks, 11, whites killed by whites, 10.5. Blacks killed by whites, one. Blacks killed by blacks, 57. uh, Six times uh, the the rate that uh, uh, blacks kill whites, blacks kill blacks. Why it came to me? Because uh, over and over I hear all these talks of today's black leaders, not all, but many talk about uh, racism, critical race theory, reparations that white people owe blacks, but they don't talk about the most essential, about that black people kill black people. If they really care about black people, of what will happen to to black community, they would have to bring this as the most essential issue, bring it up and discuss what happens, why are we killing ourselves? But the question is, why is it not discussed in, in the media around the United States? Let me see, I think somebody send me a text. Excuse me one second. Um, Rudy from Montreal. Okay, yeah, good. Let I will take I will continue the issue a little later. Uh, Rudy, you're on the air. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Resnick. Uh, well, uh, my question is really twofold. What is the possibility of um, accelerated learning by, during pregnancy, uh, speaking and uh, playing music and reading and mathematics. My belief is that long-term memory is the best when you're first born. So I wonder if, it, in other words, my reasoning is this. Um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't understand, obviously, as the child is developing. But once they become a child, they would hear things like mathematics and be able to relate to it. 
reading, they would be able to hear, and they would be able to relate, so there would be accelerated learning. Mm -hmm. And the second part of it is this. It's a sad part. But what, what is going to happen to humanity where certain societies uh, circumcise their children, male and female, young boys and young girls? What, 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 what is going to develop in the sense that there be massive hostility um, I mean, let, let me ask you, what, what would you think with these vaccines, the insanity of vaccinating, uh, uh, I don't know, somebody recommend 150 vaccine, uh, vaccinations, I mean, insanity. What is going to happen in future? Can you tell me? Okay. You have three questions, I understand. One regarding studying, one about, you said, circumcision. Is that right? That's right. Male and, and female. Vaccination. Thank you very much. You are bringing such uh, huge subjects. I will be happy to talk about it. And uh, again, please stay in, online uh, and um, see if you have questions as I speak. First, regarding learning interutural. Um, some... I believe 35 or 40 years ago, Dr. Ibuka, one of the, if not the founder of Sony Corporation, was retiring. And he got all his money, whatever money uh, the, was owed to him, probably enough to have safe retirement, and decided to do research. He had enough money to buy a small island or to rent it, he decided to study the effects of um, of the sound on the uterus, or on the on the fetus. Uh, I remember reading it many many years ago, just like recently after arriving to the states, which was like you know 41 years ago. Or so, and at that at that time, he just the articles were published about it. So he asked women who were pregnant uh, to participate in an experiment, but uh, they would have to comply with, with the rules. And the rule was that they would be living in the island, they would be given, provided food, medical care, uh, and they would be taught certain thoughts, certain classes, they would have to participate, and their husbands could visit once a week. So, and they, I don't remember, it was uh, several hundred women who lived on, on this island uh, and would participate in this study. Each time uh, when the visiting day came, the husbands were instructed uh, before seeing their wives uh, not to talk about anything negative, only bring good positive news. During the week, these women... Um, were taught, and, and again, they were li not literally taught uh, as foreign languages, but uh, foreign lang languages were um, tapes of foreign languages, of classes with foreign languages were simply played. The women could do whatever they wanted. 
They could read a book. They could just sit quietly with their eyes closed, communicating with the baby, whatever they, it was their choice. It was understood that the new, um, whether it was uh, some classical music or these lessons of foreign languages were, were taught. It was happening several, um, several hours a day. I don't believe that they taught math, so I cannot know. I don't know. I, I'm not a researcher. Um, I don't know if um, math actually was taught. I, I just remember that the results were absolutely astonishing. When these women gave birth and the children were followed, I believe, till seventh grade. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. To, till the age of seven. Yeah, I think. You can actually go on the internet and read the experiment of Dr. Ibuka. Um, and what they found is that by the age of seven, these children could, and they were taught, I believe, four foreign languages. By the, end, by the age of seven, uh, all these children were easily speaking two fluently speaking two foreign languages, at least two, and were performing on a much, much, much higher level than an average child in school. I would assume it was in math and all other disciplines. So this is the information. So the answer is yes. We know that the uterus, um, the, I'm sorry why I talk about uterus, the, the fetus, um, has definitely perception uh, of music. Uh, and in fact, many people, many women um, share this uh, information that um, the baby begins to move when they speak to the baby or when the father, they hear the father's voice. Mm -hmm. You can read more about this research. Uh, it, it's as much as I remember. Now, the sure. second question you brought up about circumcision. Um, the idea of circumcision is not uh, only, the, uh, only coming from uh, Hebrew tradition, which, which we know is, is a, a big and important event in a male's life at the age of uh, eight days, a male is to be circumcised. But circumcision was part of other traditions before Judaism, uh, and that circumcises, circumcising uh, the, the end plot, um, skin on, on, of the penis, uh, but only male circumcision. Female mutilation, now we call it mutilation, because it's, it wasn't really part of spiritual tradition. Uh, that happens, from, from my knowledge, in the Muslim world, with a particular purpose, to deprive a woman of pleasure of having uh, sex, so that, that she would not supposedly... Um, want to have, to be promiscuous. Remember, I am not a specialist on the subject. I'm sharing with you what I know. But I can know a little bit more about uh, the idea of circumcision in Judaism because I'm Jewish. And 
The idea is, according to Judaism, that's a covenant between God traditions, which means Christianity and Islam, took it upon themselves. And uh, the tradition of mutilating women, and, and, and in fact, well, I'm sorry, you're, you're cutting out. I apologize. Yeah, I hear some noise. I thought maybe it's somewhere... Maybe you have a microphone that produces noise, but now it's perfect. So, well, so, you know, I, I, I should tell you that probably the security services are. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. It's a, it's a no, truth. No, no, I know, but you know, frankly, I decided I will not care about it. You know, I am doomed Thank anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, so, but male circum circumcision either does not inhibit. Uh, or diminish the pleasure of sexual intercourse, or actually in, in increases the ability for men to continue sex because the penis becomes uh, uh, somewhat less sensitive. But female circumcision simply kills her ability to enjoy sex, and it was not at all ever. Now the question is. Uh, you, you, uh, are you familiar, uh, Doctor, uh, yeah. with uh, some uh, studies that claim that the skin that is taken off yes. uh, should not be? Because apparently this is not the same as the rest of the penis in, in that it actually, uh, um, and this part of the skin actually changes the uh, the person, the man, to actually love the the, the woman that the first time, the, the, in other words, the the juices and the things that are there, mm -hmm. they actually permanently change the perspective of the man towards the, the person, and it seems possible because many men who lose their first wives. Yeah. are totally, totally um, out of the picture. They're totally, can't seem to do, you know, they, they're really, really affected. So it would seem logical. I mean, but the thing is that what the profoundness of the thing is that the world cannot seem to get to stop wars. And I'm wondering if this primary bitterness that must take place in a child is so uh, revolting that it, it's it, there was a joke uh, it's, it's not a joke because well, I used to think it was a joke but this man uh, takes his young child uh, puts him up on the counter of the kitchen and tells him uh, jump no, no, my daddy, it's much, much too high. No, 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 jump, I catch you. Eventually convince the child to jump. And the moral of the story is don't trust anybody. But that is so sad, don't you think? Yeah, Rudy, let me attempt to answer your question. It's a multi-layer question. Uh, but sure. the first thought that came to me when you said uh, a parent 
puts a child uh, on, on some place of opposite jump and the child is traumatized, I, I have to disagree because I grew up with my, uh, my older brother who actually instilled in me sense of security, confidence, and that is by presenting challenges to me, doing exactly that, jump. Jump like he would ask me to jump before, when I was learning to, to swim, he would ask me to jump, but he, his hand was always there. I yes. my children yes, jump. This is different. We, we did together uh, hiking. We did together swimming. And I always challenged them. And they grew up knowing I am there for them. Of course, if a, if a father says jump and doesn't catch a child, it's a whole different story. But let me right. address the, the circumcision. First of all, I, I don't know about the studies about the, the negative effects of circumcision. I can only tell you a medical study that was done and duplicated in uh, a number of European schools in, in, in America that show sure. that uh, the, the, the amount of, uh, the rate of cervical cancer in women is lower among women who are married to men who are circumcised because the, this, this, this uh, skin, this uh, little ending, carries often a lot of bacteria. But that's not an impressive thing for me because uh, it's questionable whether it outweighs the trauma, supposedly, that a baby may go through uh, when the baby is circumcised. I will tell you why I am for circumcision for Jewish people. Uh, and it has nothing to do with medicine or whether it's good or bad. Uh, I believe in tradition. I believe in the wisdom of tradition. And I believe that the, the Torah, or what's called Old Testament, is a divine document. Give you an example. Uh, there was this big debate in, in 10th, 11th century, where uh, Christian scholars would debate with Hebrew scholars. And one time, I don't remember the name, one Christian scholar uh, debated with the, with a big rabbi and said to him, so tell me, were Jewish people cursed or blessed? Because God said to them, I will make you, to uh, Abraham, I will make your offspring as numerous as the sand at the sea, as the star, static. Well, I'm sorry, uh, uh, the, the line is kind of off a little bit, but you know, there, there are. Is it possible? African... Okay, yeah. now it's good. Okay. So. I'm sorry. So. So, if Abraham was told by God, I will make you as numerous as the sand in this, at the sea and the stars in the sky. And the, the theologian said, so did, did God curse the Hebrew people or bless them? If it's the, the sand in the sea, uh, then they're blessed because there are many, many grains of sand. Sure. Brilliance. But if it's the stars in the sky, they're cursed. 
Because look at the sky. We know by science now there are no more than 10,000 stars. And with, to which Rabbi replied, because remember at that time there were no telescopes. Uh, the first telescope was um, invented by Galileo Galilei, way, way hundreds of years later. But at that time, the belief was there were between seven and 10,000 stars. That's not too many, many of population. So he said, did he curse them? And, um, and the rabbi said, no, there is 10 in, in 18th power amount of stars in the universe. And the, and the theologian said, what do you mean? <laughs> this is an impossible number. And now we know today, science says, it's a number actually of 10, uh, like a billion multiplied by uh, 10 billion or something like this, an incredible number. So, and that's what the rabbi said. There is, this is the amount of uh, stars in the universe, 10 in 18th power. We are not astronomers. We don't claim to know astronomy or anything about stars. God told us that that's the amount of the stars, and we believe it. Because we believe in God's word. So years and years and years passed. And um, I believe in somewhere in the 1990s, German uh, observatory, with a powerful telescope, discovered that indeed there were something like 10 Okay. Uh, oh, it seems come and go. Okay, so so the German observatory said yes. In the the amount of the stars is ten in sixteen. So they said, well, Jews, you are close. And of course, the rabbis of today said, no, 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 sorry, not we are close. You are close. We still maintain. God said it's ten in eighteenth power. So we're not settling for ten in sixteen. And then when Hubble telescope was built, guess what? They discovered that the amount of stars in the universe is 10 in the 18th power. So I could, I, this is not the subject of uh, what you brought up and, and not the subject right. of today, but I could give hundreds of examples of how something that is written uh, in, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in five books of Moses, and it's 100% confirmed by modern science. In fact, if you're interested, you can go, uh, you can buy a book by Zamir Cohen, C-O-H-E-N, Zamir, and it's called The Coming Revolution, The Coming Revolution. And it gives hundreds of examples of how the five books of Moses speak about many, many things that are now discovered in science. So since I believe in science and I believe in Torah, I believe that circumcision I personally believe is good, but I honor anybody who cho uh, chooses to believe otherwise. The third question you brought up, vaccination. Uh, I personally, my wife and I, did not vaccinate our children because we believed that, you know, the age of two days and the water, two weeks, when they vaccinate children, children don't have strong immune system and uh, average Well, that, I, I, that makes sense. What you yeah, on, on average, um, I read it in a, in a 
book written by pediatrician, but who was against vaccination. I don't remember her name now. Her name, I remember first name, Stephanie. You remember my children are already grown. But I remember her name, first name was Stephanie. So that she, is, she was a pediatrician. And she said that uh, on every child, vaccinated child, uh, has between six and eight ear infections a year. Uh, my, neither of my children was vaccinated. And Hannah had one one time in, in all her childhood an ear infection, and Aaron didn't have any ear infection. So giving vaccines is a very controversial issue, uh, and yet some vaccines helped. Uh, we, we cannot deny polio vaccine and a number of other vaccines, like rabies vaccine, did work. Uh, when you we come to, but it was always an issue between the doctor and the patient to to give. Well, okay, I, I get a patient. I believe it's a crime, and it was done only in two in two countries, uh, and that was China and Nazi Germany. Even in in the Soviet Union, they did not dictate, although partially they started at the end. Uh, but mostly medicine was free from dictates of the government. So what happened now with this vaccine, COVID vaccine, which is really not a vaccine, because vaccine is something to pre prevent an illness. And first they were saying it will prevent an illness, then it will reduce the chance of death. It's all nonsense. It's all these theories falling apart. And people who promoted these vaccines and stopped doctors doing the real treatments which were available are, are criminals and god willing they will stand trial these are my three answers rudy i'm sorry Bravo. <laughs> you have another question or uh, did i answer no, your question thank you uh, very very much uh, i have other questions but it's unfair to stay for me to stay on the line so long okay. well, thank I, you. I thank you very very much uh, dr resnick you're very welcome have a nice day bye bye okay so, ladies and gentlemen, I will go back to the issue like uh, 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 that I started talking about with African Americans. Uh, I was saying that um, people who care about African Americans would would bring up the issue of how to prevent um, black people killing black people, and we know that. Children who grow up in one parent home uh, are nine times, uh, nine times, which means 900% have greater chance uh, uh, being becoming criminals. And uh, uh, I think 70% of uh, black children these days grow up with one parent home. And the tendency today with, with Black Lives Matter and with all the uh, liberals uh, who are actually against the family. Uh, it's it's very tragic. And again, they're talking about being for uh, African-American community, yet we know that approximately a little over 12% of uh, population in America are African-Americans. And yet 40% of all abortions are done by black women. So 
And the, the same people who are for uh, blaming everybody else but black people fighting black people, the same people are very much pro-abortion. And yet 40% of all abortions that are done by black people, which means there was, would be so many more black beautiful children and yet they're not they're mostly these people are anti-abortion um, i voted for barack obama when he ran for president first time around hoping that he will empower black people that's why i would say that that was my main motivation instead during his reign more black people were on welfare than ever before so I didn't vote for him the second time around because many of his uh, policies absolutely failed. So uh, there are people, there are very different people, not the people who encourage black people to become dependent on the state, whether it's reparations or welfare, but people who encourage black people to, to get education like Dr. Uh, ben Carson, like Candace Owens, they they really i believe care about black people and encourage them to to become free and freedom comes and success comes from education that's my take I, I didn't expect that it would take so much time um but i also spoke to rudy so another show in tell and then we'll go to the main subject uh, of our talk um but no, actually, the main subject is getting your phone call. So please, please feel free to call me even now. Uh, but meanwhile, I want to tell you, I received an email from Gary Null and Richard Gale. They wrote an article, Will America's Future Be Utopian or Dystopian? Which is a very, very good article. You probably can find it in archives. Uh, it's, it does a very good analysis of the situation today in political situation and and what is happening to america and what's happening to american freedom the only thing is uh the, the only thing that i disagree is the title of the article meaning utopian or dystopian and uh, meaning utopian it means it's good dystopian it's not good uh meaning that utopian would be something that we all can achieve. I don't believe that utopia, and you know the utopia, it's like a mystical uh, country, mystical place, more a uh, place of a, a, a dream or, or within our consciousness where people, where there is perfect harmony. I don't believe there is, it's possible to have perfect harmony on, on this planet. I, again, I subscribe to the tenets of the five books of Moses, which teach there will be always poverty, there will be always pain. As the Buddha said, life is difficult. Uh, so, and the purpose of these difficulties is to challenge our, us to become the best of who we can become. So life will be always a challenge. And um, that which we call for convenience God or higher consciousness uh, will allow us to refine ourselves. That is, all the evil inclinations, all the traits that we have that are 
um, let's call it, would lead us to violate the Ten Commandments, since we speak biblical language, all those tendencies, all those impulses can be overcome, but we need the ground within which they would be overcome. We, we need to have always uh, strife and inequality and poor people, and then what we call God will judge how we treated those people, how, whether we were charitable, kind, loving, because there will be always inequality. We call, come into this world not equal. We come with different predispositions. That's why, you know, it took me four, taking four, four lessons to learn to sing one song. One lesson to, just, uh, to sing happy birthday to you. And um, Mozart could compose at the age of four. Why is such an inequality? Because we came from different incarnations, we have different talents, different predispositions, physical and mental and emotional. So the same thing with all other people. The question is how will we treat those people? Uh, and, and that's why my, my attitude it will, be, will be always, always, it's okay. It's okay for bad things to happen, for evil to be there, but we still have a choice as it's written in Deuteronomy, fifth book of Moses, here before you I have set good and evil, life and death. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And of course, when you choose life, when you choose to do the right thing, when you choose to be charitable, when you choose to be kind, when you choose to forgive, of course, your descendants, your children will see and take in the energy that you bring into this world, and it will affect them. That's why so you and your descendants may live, so it affects your other generations. And talking about other generations, uh, I received actually an email asking me to talk about happiness. Before I, <laughs> before I start talking about this subject, and that's what I thought would be the main subject, but we have only 18 minutes before we have to end the show, I would gladly take your phone calls. Anybody wants has a question? And by the way, uh, remember last week, Nikki sent me uh, a letter. And one of the things that she encouraged me to do is to have one show of the month where people prepare and share with their night dreams, which is a great idea, but because I brought it up on the, uh, last week, and it was the first week um, of the month. So we decided that the show dedicated to only to night dreams will be the last show of the month. So whenever it is, the last show of the month, I will tell you in a second, I will look at my appointment book. So the last show of the month will be uh, 29th of uh, of November. So please, for 29th of November, prepare your night dreams uh, if you want me to work with you on them. Again, please do not send me your night dreams in your email. That would be a waste of time, your time writing, and I will not be reading them because there is nothing I can do with those night dreams. Absolutely nothing. And if you buy a book 
uh, hundred or thousand nidrims uh, interpreted it's a waste of money because uh, a person people are different and we need a person to discuss to ask questions to understand the dream so please prepare your dreams and I have a caller Ellie is on on the line so Ellie you're welcome you're on the air hello Ellie how are you? Can you hear me? Hi, Hi I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I wanted to call in. I, I really like the show. I um, You helped where, me with my, oh, with my night dream one time. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, are you, where are you from? I'm, I'm from New York. I'm from New York. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, so I, I'm calling because I, I just wanted to talk to you, uh, just to talk about your comments on... Black Lives Matter and uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. just different black people. Um, yes, so yes. I'm a I'm a, a nonprofit lawyer. So I work um, in the nonprofit field. So I mean, just so you know, like Black Lives Matter, their mission is to work to ensure racial justice. Um, and so you know, and they can't go with outside of their mission, which is where you're talking about to to address the issue of black on black crime. There are other nonprofits that that do work like that, um, and that you know I work with a number of them where they work with young people to address um, black on black crime. There's actually a court program, the Center for Court Innovation in New York, um, in Harlem, and Brooklyn. So there are different nonprofit organizations that do address these issues about black on black crime. We you know Black Lives Matter. It's it's more vocal, it, you know, it's seen, it's, it's everywhere, um, you know, but it, it, it came out of Trayvon Martin's basically murder yes, uh, in, in Florida, which was, you know, I think he was, Zimmerman was Hispanic, but, um, you know, it came based on their, their laws having to do with, you know, people addressing what they thought was street crime when it was, you know, basically a 13, your 14-year-old kid walking home with his Skittles. So, you know, there are just different organizations that do address these issues. I, I don't think it's just that just because like, one organization is in the limelight yeah. that other organizations are not talking about these other issues. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for sharing. Though I, I, I don't want to start a, a, a deba- debate about it, but I have a number of issues with Black Lives Matter because, because of their notoriety. And it seems like it's a, the main issue is these kind of crimes, and yet the the crimes against by police against uh, black people is nothing compared to to the biggest crimes. If if they would be if there would be an organization that would put an accent on on that issue, the biggest issue of black people killing black people, then I would say okay, Black Lives Matter also um, have place, but. I, what I've seen is a lot of violence coming from, and I'm not saying that all people who support Black Lives Matter are violent, but but yeah. mm-hmm. so. But I, I'm I am I, I understand what you mean and why you are presenting them, and I am sure there are wonderful people in that organization who really mean well. I I don't have any doubt. Un- unfortunately, yeah, yeah. There, are, 
all, all, always elements that are extremists, and they stand out. And they stand out, and they ignite people, the worst in people. You see, that, then we have a problem. And if you say, oh, but it's a small minority, you know, um, the, the stormtroopers of Hitler were a very little, small minority in the population of, of, of Germany. And educated German people didn't want to, to deal with what be, was called in the beginning filth, untermensch, under, like under human, small people. But because the majority of people were quiet, they gained strength, and we know what happened after that. So unless black, those people who you represent stand up against and speak up against uh, those who call themselves Black Lives Matter and are violent, if they don't speak against violence in the, among themselves, then that's how they're judged. And uh, that's my opinion. But I also appreciate yeah. what you do because I, I, it's, it sounds like you're doing it from the heart, not for money. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's true. And, you know, I mean, and some people just aren't aware, like, Black Lives Matter, if their mission is to, you know, address racial injustice against, um, you know, white people from against black people, then they also, they have to stay within their mission. They can't go outside of their mission. Otherwise, they could actually get in trouble with the IRS or state authorities. So I just wanted to point that out to you so that so that you're aware. But there are organizations that do address issues of black-on-black crime. And if, and if that's in their mission, then, of course, they can go ahead and, and they won't get in trouble with the state or the IRS for, for going outside of their mission. I am an average Joe, you know, I've watched television. All I know is that when these events uh, happened of burning cities uh, and uh, corporations donating millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter bought, uh, bought a huge multi-million dollar mansion. So yeah. it doesn't look good. So, no, I know, and I, I, I saw that as well. And, you know, the, and the IRS has within its rights to, to go in and look at their books and, and say, you know, what is going on here, um, and actually give sanctions or even revoke their tax-exempt status. So, so you know, it's not like it can go unpunished. Yeah. Thank, Ellie, thank you very much for calling. I have somebody on, online waiting. Okay, no problem. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Uh, Gina, you're on the air. Good afternoon, Dr. Resnick. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I have a question. Have you gotten your uh, colloidal silver yet? Colloidal silver? Yes, I did. Oh, you are Gina who called before, right? I've called many. I've called almost yes, every yes, week. Yes, almost I've been my old friend, Gina. <laughs> Thanks for calling. I, yes, I, I, I have I colloidal silver. I think that was a little I ducked yeah. that. Dr. Wallach's show is very good, but anyway, uh, my, I don't have much input on the Black Lives because I don't know much any about that organization, but I've been around the world. I've been with many cultures. Uh, I don't want to belabor that. I'm not going to go into them. What I really call it about is what...
I don't normally call you and tell you about things about me. I'm kind of like a, self, a person that takes care of my own, and I listen intently to people that know better than I do, and I take the best out of that. But I suppress my dreams, you know, because I found them to become a burden. And I'm throwing it out at you because I want to know am I dysfunctional or what, because a lot of my dreams are, are things that... Um, like point, uh, some intuitive telling me something about, uh, you know, that I can't do anything uh, about it. I get frustrated and then it preys on my mind. And then it's like, in other words, it's out of my control. I think I'm, I'm pretty much, a, uh, I wouldn't call myself a control freak, but I like to be, be in control of what I do in life, you know, and I, I'm a planner and this, that, and the other. Yeah. And, um, I, I mean, I've learned over the years, obviously, but, uh, yeah. uh, I was brought up in a strict environment, and I was educated in a strict environment. Uh-huh. And so I guess a lot of that has rubbed off. A cult, let's, say, let's say structured, very structured, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not overly, I'm, uh, and on the other hand, I'm very loose with, as far as I believe in people. Like, as you have stated many times, you, you know, I don't impose my views and my, you know, on other people. But what my initial thing is, I find myself like, um, I'm going to throw out something that's a little weird. I had, in the past, I used to see things on TV that just would pop up to me about something happening, and, it, and then another day it would happen. And then I, saw, I started asking, I said, please take this away from me. I can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's yeah. What it, 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 things like this creep into, into the dream state. So what, tell me something, you, something you, about you, me. You brought up a couple of issues, and... Uh, we can continue uh, next week to talk right, about right. it, but let me let me tell you just what can be useful for you right now, and that is the dreams are super important. Whether it's ancient Mesopotamian or uh, ancient Hebrews or Muslims or Christians or uh, Aztecs, every culture recognize that the dreams are super, super important because it's messages from our unconscious or some would believe from the other world to our mm. present consciousness. And it shows us what inner conflicts that we have. You're blessed that you can remember night dreams. The more person remembers dreams, the more they're in touch with their feelings. And mm. then they have an opportunity to deal with challenges in their lives. Uh, I wrote an article, uh, if you go on my website, drpeterresnik.com, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K.com, and you go under the, on the menu under articles, the very first article is called Dreamwork. If okay. you read the Dreamwork article, it will tell you how to understand your dreams, and then if there is a challenge, how to correct the dreams. Because the dream is not only a reflection of who you are in the moment, but also a blueprint of what is yet to come uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of what you are going to bring in your life. So if a person in a dream is a victim, what do you think he will be or she will be in the waking life? So but by correcting the dream that is going inside of the dream and making a correction, and I teach you the article how to do it, you change the possible outcome in your life, uh, in your waking life. By the way, this is not the only, I'm not the only person who does it. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I just thought I can change the outcome and, and the direction I wanted to go, but to me it's really a bother. <laughs> Say, get away, get out of my head, you're bothering me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gina, if it's a bother, so you don't do it. This is your privilege, this is your right. And like mm -hmm. you said, you said, take it away from me. So you said basically to your unconscious, mm -hmm. I'm not interested. If you are fulfilled with your life, God bless you, enjoy your life, and you don't need it. We are okay. free to, to welcome uh, whatever happening is happening mm -hmm. in our inner life, or, or to say no. Okay, so, so it's yeah, Gina, you mentioned something else, and before I go, I want to, to say this, that some of your dreams were precognitive dreams. They are not yeah. very common. So you, you mm -hmm. probably have a gift and again, you are free to refuse the gift, but I just want you to know, very mm -hmm. few people have precognitive dreams. Yeah. But the question is, what do you do with them? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so, so I... Well, I, I guess I say to myself, because I, I feel that, what can I do with this? If I could do something about it, I probably would release right. that frustration. Right. But I know you're out of time, and uh, I'm glad I got in um, to, just to give it to you, I, and I'll... Gina, you, you couldn't do some, anything if you have if you are at that level that you were given the opportunity to have precognitive dreams mm -hmm. one thing you could try is to mm -hmm. pray if, if you if you picked up something that is to be uh, a disaster or negative and mm -hmm. you have that gift to pick up possibly you have also the gift to change the, the, the outcome. Mm -hmm. To pray and to ask God, consciousness, to uh, to change the outcome. I, I don't yes, know I, how successful you could, you could be. Yes, I've done that. I've done that. Mm -hmm. You have? Okay. Yes, I have. Wonderful. Gina, I have to <laughs> move on. Thank you, Thank you very yes. much for calling. I do have you colloidal have silver. <laughs> <laughs> Be well. Thank you. Be well. Yeah, thank you so much for taking thank my call. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Ladies and gentlemen, our show is coming to an end. We actually did not touch the subject on happiness, but I definitely will address it. I, oh, next week I may have somebody, a guest. Oh, yes. So we may not talk about happiness, but he will talk about something that prevents possibly happiness. Anyway, um, we may have a, a guest or we'll, well, two weeks from now we'll talk about happiness. For now, I want to thank you all for participating in, in this show, being part of it, and uh, have a wonderful week. Be happy. Peace to all who want to live in peace. <laughs>